Welcome to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea. I'm a therapist and connector living in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've always believed that one of the most important things we can do as a human is sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat right here on this podcast. I listen to someone tell their story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and connection and community if we stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you listen into each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, episode 45, I'm talking to Jess Fields from Knots of Love. She is a macrame artist and teacher a graphic designer, and a health advocate for people with endometriosis, adenomyosis, and polycystic ovary syndrome. If all of those terms are unfamiliar to you, we will talk about them. I also link some information in the show notes. I met Jess when I saw a friend of mine wearing her earrings that she makes. They were gorgeous and peachy and super funky and light as a feather. You all know that I love a big earring, so I was immediately in love. So after I purchased those earrings and another pair of earrings and an ornament, I looked more on Jess's website and learned more about her. And turns out her story weaves together, see what I did there? Weaves together, macrame. Her story weaves together art, pain, creativity, coping, and connection, and many of those things I couldn't love more. If you've ever felt like you haven't been heard in a medical setting, you will feel so encouraged by Jess's story. I put a few resources that Jess mentions in the show notes, along with some really cool holiday markets that she will be at with Knots of Love. If you've never been to or heard of the UICA Holiday Artist Market, You're doing the holidays wrong, you guys, and you need it in your life. So if you're local to Grand Rapids, be sure to check out the show notes. That market and another market called Made Market are linked to the dates, the times, all the details. Also, you'll hear me mention that I had just do a workshop at my house. We, um, myself and I made, myself and I, myself and some friends made a wall hanging Um, took us a few hours. It was a blast. So you can hire Jess for that too. It's so fun. All right. It's time for my interview with Jess Fields of Knots of Love. So Jessica, thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast. Thank you for so so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat about endo and my business. I love it. We just wrapped up a few days ago a workshop that was so fun. Mm -hmm. We'll get to your workshops. Okay. But I had a real one in my own house. It was fantastic. Um, we're trying, still trying to figure out where to hang my little macrame oh, treasure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so we'll start at the beginning. Sure. You own a business called Knots of Love. I do. Let's talk about why this particular stripe of business, what little baby Knots of Love business, like how it started, um, wherever you want to start with okay. that. I actually ask myself the same thing. <laughs> Why when you're like making 72 knots, you're <laughs> yeah, like, what um, am I doing? I mean, my background is in graphic design and web design. So I never saw myself having a macrame business. I yeah. mean, I didn't think it macrame was cool. I thought yeah. it was something like my grandma had in her, you know, on her walls. And I totally didn't understand it. That's a 70s thing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But and that I can have plants. Uh-huh. Um, and I ran out of room 
So I, of course, did what every girl does and goes to Pinterest and tries to figure out how to hang plants and other creative ways to have plants in their house. So I went online, I was searching, and I was like, oh, macrame plant hangers are a thing now. Okay, cool. So I did a little more research into what macrame was and then um, found, basically discovered the whole world of macrame and fiber arts and everything and I got okay. totally inspired started following every macrame maker that I could find <laughs> awesome. and um yeah and I totally skipped past plant hangers and went straight to like wall hangings teaching myself that was back in the beginning of 2017 I think or um summer of 2017. Mm -hmm. So I just taught myself. I went onto YouTube and was figuring out, you know, what's a square knot, what's a lark's head knot. Yes. And um, from there, I had an Instagram but never really used it much. So I was like, okay, maybe this can be my little creative outlet. Yeah. Um, I had been a designer um, for a really long time, probably eight, nine years already, um, doing web design and graphic design, and I just needed like a creative outlet that wasn't on the computer, sitting every day, you know, staring at a screen. So I needed something more, and I went to art school, so I was crafty, and I wanted to do everything um, myself, like I was very DIY. Yes. So then I started learning and posting stuff on Instagram, and found that whole like community, and... um, once I started posting, people started asking about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, can I get a plant hanger? Can I do this? Um, will you be in this pop-up? And that's, it kind of just, like, started organically, you know? That's just bananas. Yeah. 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 I so, love it. Um, then I opened my Etsy shop and started doing some markets. Um, and then it kind of grew a little bit more, and people uh-huh. wanted me to teach them. Uh-huh. So that's a whole other thing where now I teach uh, workshops locally at different boutiques. Um, I even do at-home parties like I did with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And we make a project. It's in a very casual environment where you can have fun, drink a glass of wine, learn, have Mm -hmm. some friends over. Yeah. That's so cool. I just love the kind of the genesis from Mm -hmm. like, I just need to hang a plant. (laughs) (laughs) to a whole business to like teaching other people like yeah I just think it's so cool when women or anyone finds Mm -hmm. their like thing and you have more than just this thing but like it's just so awesome to see that kind of story of how it all happens yeah I never saw it coming I mean macrame is not something that you really go to school for here in the United States yeah so um yeah it was very organic do you know if, because the perception is for sure that mm-hmm. it was like a 70s thing. Like, of mm-hmm. course, my house had it too. With the mm-hmm. like, I joked at our workshop about the owl with the wooden bead eyes <laughs> yeah. and the large macrame, like kind of polyester-y looking sure. orange wall yeah. hangings. Yeah. Um, did it just like go underground? Like, <laughs> I assume um, it still happened. You know, it actually started back in Egyptian times when they wanted to finish the ends of uh, fibers. Okay. You know, like they would weave together fibers, but then the ends were loose. So they had to create knots to finish off the ends. And then that kind of morphed, and this is a very, like, truncated history of macrame. But then, um, so the knot making became sort of an art form. Okay. And then it morphed over the years, and then nautical, you know, that's, it's, knots are used a lot for nautical purposes. And then, um... 
kind of, I don't know how it became a thing in the 70s, right? but um, very like artsy, craftsy things kind of came out of nowhere, and it's something that everybody can do, whether you're artistic or not. I mean, mm-hmm. you can learn how to put left chord over right chord, put that through the loop. I mean, that's not, you don't have to go to school to learn how to draw, you know? Yeah. So it's something that anybody can pick up and it's easy, it's cheap to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's how it kind of became a thing. And then like everything, something that's super trendy is going to just go away for a while. And I think it, you know, 30 years later, 40 years later, it's back Yeah. um, with a vengeance, but it's got a whole, it's like a refreshed feel. I mean... It's now, instead of scratchy jute, you know, you're using more of, like, this really, really soft, um, 100% natural cotton fibers, um, real wool. Um, so I know a lot of the, the macrame artists, myself included, like, we like to source really high-quality materials. Mm-hmm. Um, the texture that just brings life to a space, you know, mm-hmm. and you want to use high-quality materials for that. So um, it's got a whole new look mm-hmm. you know yeah new ways so yeah not your grandma's macrame no. anymore <laughs> not your granny's macrame yes <laughs> <laughs> now if you could do like one sort of macrame project for the rest of your life you have to do one because mm. i know you do earrings and you do the plant hangers and yeah. you do the wall hangings and you mm-hmm. probably do other things that i don't mm-hmm. know about would you like make these giant art pieces that you can just like freeform your little heart out or what would you pick? I mean, so maybe this is just my personality type. I like mm-hmm. a fast reward. Yeah. So like I can do a massive wall hanging and I can spend the hundred hours that it would take to do this huge gorgeous installation piece Mm -hmm. but I really love the instant gratitude that I get from creating a piece like an earring yeah you know and it creates a quicker pathway to a smile on somebody else's face Mm -hmm. than the hundreds and hundreds of hours that I'd have to put into something you know much bigger than that so I think jewelry would be my what I would do very cool Um, and I do have a I did take classes at Grand Valley for um, metal smithing. Oh, okay. So I'd love to eventually do my own metal work and incorporate the macrame there. Yeah. Um, and see where that goes. Um, but I would need a whole studio and everything built. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. But yeah, I think I think jewelry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the teaching piece of it has got mm-hmm. to be a whole like other bear in and yeah. of itself. Yeah. I, it was kind of funny at the one that we did. Mm-hmm. So I invited like some friends that no one really knew each other. And it's so funny the people that are like super type A, very yeah. kind of <laughs> focused on the details. I'm obviously like type Z and I'm just like not, not, boom, done, whatever. And these poor other friends, like they were just like, I need Xanax and uh-huh. this is so hard. And right. and I think everyone had fun. Yes. But um, it's so interesting. The nodding kind of brings out. <laughs> personalities do shine yeah. when you're learning a craft. Yes. That's for sure. Do you like the teaching part of it? I mean, you know, surprisingly, I, know it's hard to speak to, I love it. Yeah. What's really cool about, you know, Knots of Love business in general is like the growth in myself. Yes. I never in a million years thought that I would be teaching people anything. Yeah. And I never thought that I'd be on a podcast. Yeah. I don't find myself as a very eloquent person. So the fact that I would go to a boutique or go to 
somebody's house and have the responsibility of giving a wonderful, fun experience and successful experience mm-hmm. teaching somebody um, is not something that I ever dreamed I would be doing Yeah, or love doing. Mm-hmm. And it is something that I've actually, like, it's a fire in me. I really, really love teaching mm-hmm. and I love the smiles and I love that process of, like, frustration you know, mm-hmm. and uneasiness to, oh, wow, okay, I can do this. Like, yes. look what I'm doing. Like, look what I made, you know? Yes. It's so cool to see that progression and that I had a part of that. And it's it's cool to see their growth, too, the yeah. students' growth. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's always so much more than, like, the plant hanger, right? right. Like, yeah. you find your thing, and it opens yeah. all these other doors, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I love that. Um so that kind of leads into, I know we talked when we first met about kind of community sure. and how that weaves it, no pun intended, <laughs> weaves itself into your kind of what you do in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. So you talked about the macrame community, kind yep. of finding that on Instagram. Um, but you also kind of have this related part of your story mm-hmm. that is about a health journey that you've kind of been sure. up and down with um, that also kind of has a community aspect to it. Totally. So yeah. talk a little bit about your history with endometriosis and whatever else you want to share mm-hmm. about that. Sure. Even the macrame community, I found it interesting. A lot of the women in most of the macrame community, not all, but most of them are women. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's nice about social media is that you get little glimpses into people's lives so yeah they Mm -hmm. share about their their creations and their beautiful things that they're doing but they also share little bits about their lives and you know what makes them unique and Mm -hmm. that's how you connect to them so a couple women actually um, started sharing about their journey with endometriosis and other women's health issues Um, and so I didn't know what endometriosis was. I thought it just meant that you couldn't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all I knew about it. Um, and so when I saw these other women sharing about it, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Then a few years ago, um, after being diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome, hypothyroid, and a few other things, um, I started having really, really painful periods. Mm-hmm. I was bleeding every two weeks ish, mm-hmm. probably since co- college that was happening, um, and it just kept getting worse and worse. Um, and back to the macrame community, they were sharing that macrame was almost like a Zen thing that they were using to cope and to get through those hard, painful times because it's something that you can kind of just just close your eyes, not even close your eyes, but not, and just keep yeah. going. You know what I mean? Just, yeah like to take your mind off of things and you're creating something and moving through the time that you're you're in a lot of pain. Yeah. Um so where was I? So you had been diagnosed with PCOS, mm-hmm. the polycystic ovarian syndrome yep. and hypothyroidism okay. and getting into lots and lots of pain um to the point where my day job was taking a hit. Yeah. Um, a couple days a month, I either had to leave work early or not go into work. Um, that was really tough on me because, you know, I like to be reliable yeah. and um, professional. But in that setting, it's, I mean, it's debilitating pain to where you can't function. Yeah. Um, once a month at least. You yeah, know, sometimes for sure. twice a month. So fast forward to a bunch of doctor's visits. I decided... You know, I wasn't getting answers from women's health people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I thought I was going to you know, the best in Grand Rapids. 
um, and everybody telling me that I'm fine, oh, it's just a, a painful period, some women have that. I found out that a really painful period is not normal. Right? I mean, <laughs> and that's what, ugh. yeah, and that's what um, I think is, is really scary. Some uneducated, some uneducated doctors telling women that the debilitating pain that they're experiencing is normal. Yeah. Um, it's awful. And it's heartbreaking, actually. Heartbreaking. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So there was one point where I was so in pain and it's really hard to get any sort of pain medication mm -hmm. um, that my husband was like, you need to go to the doctor today, mm -hmm. you, you know, either emergency room or call your doctor, get in and see what's going on. So they actually squeezed me in at the Women's Health in Grand Rapids building for a emergency ultrasound. I went in and the technician said, oh my gosh, you know, I think I see something, which I don't think they're really at liberty to say. Right. But, but it, it turns out to be very helpful that she said that. Yeah. So she says, I think I see something, maybe a fibroid, I'm not sure, but your doctor's going to look at this and she's going to give you a call and tell you, you know, what's going on. And I said, okay, is there anything that you can do for me now? And they said, no, you basically have to go to the ER if you want any medication or anything. And I said, okay. Oh so gosh. thousands of dollars later, right. go to the ER just to get a little bit of morphine to cope through my day. And the male doctor there actually said, you might have endometriosis, which I find funny because the same doctor that I was seeing at the Women's Health said, oh, it's probably not endometriosis, um, and everything on your ultrasound looks fine. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Then I was so frustrated at that point, and this is years of research and me being like, okay, what is wrong with me? Yes. Um, I'm on the floor in pain, crying. I can't walk. And so research and research led to, I don't know how, but finding the endometriosis awareness community mm -hmm. on Instagram. Okay. And women sharing their stories and what how their symptoms made them feel and what treatments they were getting and stuff like that. And I saw that one woman, her name is Claudia. She actually lives in Australia. And it's funny that somebody in Australia actually helped me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the good side of social yeah, media. Yeah. So I yes. messaged her and I said, how did you find your endometriosis specialist? I have no idea how to find anybody. I don't know if there is one in Michigan. She uh, said there's a community on Facebook called Nancy's Nook mm -hmm. for endometriosis or something like that. And it's a lady, Nancy, who's compiled probably more than a thousand women's um, recommendations of different specialists and created a database yes. so you can see in your state who there is and there's pretty much one in Michigan and so <laughs> Claudia in Australia said hey check out this doctor in Michigan yes. um, and set up an appointment so I did right away the very first appointment he said let's just do an ultrasound right here and I said, okay, yeah, I want answers. You Whatever know. you need to do, sir. Yeah. So he's found a golf ball-sized fibroid within two seconds mm -hmm. in my uterus. And um, we scheduled exploratory and excision surgery um, mm -hmm. not too long after that. And an MRI confirmed what they thought might be endometriosis and adenomyosis. So... 
I had the surgery in January. Okay. And excision is where they actually go in and they cut out everything. They don't just burn it away. They actually cut out any endometriosis, fibroids, whatever mm-hmm. that they that they see. And that's actually the gold standard treatment. That's the only way to see if you have endometriosis and to um, possibly get rid of those cells. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <sighs> Sorry, that was really long. but That's fine because I... I know you've told me most of this Mm -hmm. story, but it makes me have like 37 more questions every time Mm -hmm. that you tell it because it's so layered with stigma Mm -hmm. and sexism and women not being believed for their level of pain. And that's the hardest part. I felt, yeah, I felt dismissed every single time I went to the doctor. Yeah. I felt like. They're not going to believe me. I'm drug-seeking. I mean, yeah, I was seeking drugs. Because yeah. I was trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I didn't want, didn't want just drugs. I wanted to figure out, you know, what is inside me causing all of this pain. And yes. it's not, oh, you're just a girl. Yeah. You know, like, that's not the answer. Yeah. Being a girl is pain. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I feel like we get that message. Yeah. Like, it, that's just what it is. So, sorry. Like, mm-hmm move on it's gonna be hard and it's gonna be there's there's no way to like figure you out you're just like Mm -hmm. a big question mark Mm -hmm. and that's what you have to live with and it's just and then maddening and then in the professional environment you hide it yes you basically hide the fact that you're a girl yeah you're going through all of this stuff in the professional environment because it makes you less capable to do your job yeah because you know, if you would talk about it or be more open about it, mm-hmm. you'd probably get fired, yep. or at the very least, mm-hmm. um, you know, chastised yep. or you know, mm-hmm. relegated to some other lesser status or at anything work. like, okay, well, you have all those problems, so we really can't rely on you. Maybe right. you can do your job. You're just not as reliable because mm-hmm. we can't predict when you're going to be hurting and when you can do your job and when you can't. Um, because not doing your job equals you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. So that's the hard part. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. awful. Awful, awful, <laughs> awful. And you are a privileged, you know, carry mm-hmm. some privilege in the world. So God forbid you're like not a cisgender yep. white person mm-hmm. that's not overweight by healthcare standards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you have all those levels of yeah. things to work through. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's just on and on. It makes yeah. it crazy. What's really great about the the community um, that I'm seeing lately is endometriosis is becoming a thing that people are talking about Mm -hmm. and being upfront and open with your boss Mm -hmm. during even interview processes. Like my new job that I got, I told him right off the bat, I said, I have a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. It's unpredictable. There will be times where I won't be able to work. Mm -hmm. And he was so great and said, you you know, I trust you. You take the time that you need when you need it. Yeah. Um, so it was something that I got out in the open right off the bat. Yeah. Now I don't really have to worry about it. If I have a really hard day, if I have a flare, I can take the time. Because even after um, surgery with adenomyosis, which is um, endometriosis, endometri-like cells, endometrial-like cells inside the lining of the uterus, um, and basically the only thing you can do is a hysterectomy and okay. I'm not I'm not at that point yet um so I basically have to live with a very painful uterus until I'm ready to get it out yeah 
Luckily, endometriosis is on the outside, and, you know, we're able to excise most of it, yeah. get it out of your body, but, you know, my uterus is just painful for a while. Yeah, so. and it can grow back, right? Endo, yes, yeah. it can. Um, with excision, if you get the gold standard with a specialist, if they're very, very thorough, I mean, mm-hmm. no doctor can see 100% of every cell in there, but if yeah. they get everything... Um, it's like an 80% chance that it won't come back, which is pretty huge. Yeah, Um, It's better than getting a hysterectomy um, when you have endo because those cells can still grow inside. I mean, they find it in the brain. They find it in your ribs. I mean, like your lung area. They can find it most other places. Yeah. Um, And so it's not just on your uterus or ovaries. So hysterectomy, it's like a misconception that, oh, if you have endo, just, you know, get a hysterectomy and you'll be fine. Yeah. That's actually not true. You can't just get pregnant and you get cured. You can't... I mean, there's so many misconceptions out there that's kind of scary. The only way that you can take care of it is through excision surgery. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And this is just another kind of maybe naive, like, medical question, Mm -hmm. but it feels like if there's tissue growing outside of your uterus, Mm -hmm. that it would be relatively, like, easy to see Mm -hmm. on an ultrasound or a whatever mm-hmm. the scanning tool is an MRI or whatever right but is it not so in ultrasounds and MRIs it is not usually visible at all unless they're giant masses of okay bleeding cells got it and um, what they did detect is free fluid in my pelvis which means I was bleeding got it or probably bleeding um, in my pelvis so they did see that and you can see like different textures of tissues Mm -hmm. so like denser cells here where they could say signs but honestly an mri and an ultrasound you can't see it yeah they literally have to look inside you like cut you open look inside with a little camera and see and that's basically what they do um but if you have a an excision specialist doing that they'll just cut it out during that surgery yeah so you don't have to have multiple surgeries they just look inside they check everything, they're very thorough, and then they cut out what they see, um, and yeah. Yeah. Best case scenario, you're, right? you're cured. You're done. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we have talked about how disheartening the whole process mm-hmm. can be, but I also know that through this process, you have felt like you can help other people, too, yeah. which I think is always healing when we feel like we've gone through something, and then we can kind of pay that help forward. Yeah. I mean, I cannot describe the level of support that I received um, before, during, and after surgery um, with the endo community because it's it's a pretty big surgery and, you know, it's a heavy thing and dealing with family, dealing with friends who don't understand, dealing with, you know, your workplace and how to cope and everybody sharing all of their experiences, um, you don't have to do that alone. Yeah. And being able to help others in the process is amazing because so many amazing women helped me through it. Yeah. And I, I can't even name all of them, but I, it was, I don't, your husband and family can only do so much, but other women who are experiencing the same thing are a different level of support that I can't even describe. Yeah. So being able to, I have my, my other Instagram account, End of My Journey, and that's kind of how I coped through it. I was sharing, I was messaging. I mean, it's hundreds of hours of mes- messaging other people. You yeah. Know? So 
Yeah. Well, I give you that language, I feel like. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned with your new, new-ish employer, mm-hmm. just calling it a chronic illness. Like yeah. stepping into that mm-hmm. and saying, this is what I have. Yep. Or I think it was you and I that were talking about um, the spoon Spoonies. Spoonies, that language. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I don't even have a chronic illness, and I Mm -hmm. feel like that was helpful language for me to understand friends that do have. Mm -hmm. It's very, um, it can be very isolating um, with a chronic chronic illness um, because with the spoonie analogy, you you only have so many spoons to use in a day. So once you're out of spoons, you don't have that time or energy to spend on the people that you love like you like you want to Mm -hmm. um so being able to communicate that is is really important Mm -hmm. yeah and when you're speaking the same like Mm -hmm. terminology you're like oh my gosh there's my person yeah yes yep oh what i wanted to do (laughs) i've thought about this i haven't gotten the courage yet Mm -hmm. but the doctor i still have her voicemail on my phone, uh-huh. telling me that everything's fine. Yeah. And she looked at my, my ultrasound and everything's fine. And see you in six months, you know, not taking me seriously. Um, I want to write her a letter and gather all of my pictures that were taken during my surgery, of my insides, mm-hmm. and um, my blood work. And I almost want to hand her my huge fibroid. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. and say, please help women who are crying in your office, begging you to take them seriously. You, as a fellow woman, should be our advocate. Yeah. You know, and I felt like she wasn't, and I don't want to throw her under the bus, but I so passionately want to communicate to her somehow. Yeah. um, How she could have helped me and that she didn't. Yeah. So... Because I think you do, I would, I would walk into a women's health office. I mean, that thinking one is that like a mecca. To, mm-hmm. Thinking that you're obviously going to a specialist. Mm-hmm. So they must know about a very common yeah. condition. Endometriosis, PCOS, adeno, all of that stuff is not mm-hmm. uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course they know what yeah. they're talking about. And if you were too much in pain you didn't have the energy or wherewithal Mm -hmm. to go even the farther the steps that you did how you would just be kind of paralyzed in that okay well I guess this is just me and this is where I sit yeah forever I went through times where it was almost depression yeah I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me figured nobody could figure out what was wrong with me yeah. And I just felt lost and alone yeah. because I had no resources to figure out how to see an actual specialist. I didn't know that there was a specialist. I didn't know that there was um, gold standard care. Yeah. I didn't, all I heard on TV was, oh, this magic drug that can take your endo pain away. But I didn't have a, a doctor who would even tell me if I had endo or not. Mm-hmm. And then later I find out that this magic drug is. A cancer treating drug for men <laughs> that they're using for women and um, it basically puts you into a, a false menopause and it's I mean everybody can look at the drug on their own and make their own assumptions but or assessments but just be careful mm-hmm. I want to do put that out there mm-hmm. if someone is sitting at home going oh my gosh this is me this mm-hmm. is I'm suffering with some chronic sure. something do you what would you tell them to like do first like get on Facebook and Google or you know like where to kind of yeah navigate that I think I would tell them start tracking your symptoms and Mm -hmm. I know that's daunting for a lot of people but 
you know, see, are you able to work your job Mm -hmm. without wanting to go home because of your pain? Are you able to, you know, do day-to-day activities? Are you ever not going out with friends because of, you know, your period is so bad? Mm -hmm. Are you bleeding a lot? I mean, a lot, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, I feel like anything more than just some cramps that you need to take an Advil, you Mm -hmm. know, to get through the day is not okay Mm -hmm. and that's a big big sign and this is so prevalent more than 10 or more than one in 10 women actually have endometriosis a lot don't know yeah um it's not just oh it's hard to get pregnant it's way more than that Mm -hmm. it's there's cells inside your body that are growing and attaching themselves to other organs and your uterus could be plastered to your back wall of your (laughs) diaphragm area Mm -hmm. um there's so many bad things and and early detection is the best. Mm-hmm. So I would at first talk to your doctor or a gyno and then go to Nancy's Nook on mm-hmm. endometri- or on uh, Facebook. And, yeah, we can... I'll link that to all the good stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, and get into that group, start reading, doing research, and also look for a specialist. If you if you do think that you have any of these symptoms, go as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Because the longer you wait, the worse it can be getting. Mm-hmm. And it does get worse. Over the last three years, mine got so bad that I, I couldn't walk sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what I would do. Don't take it lightly. I think yeah. that's what I would say. That's huge, I mm-hmm. think. Because I, I think... We as women minimize. Mm-hmm. I have done this. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many times. Mm-hmm. And it takes my best friend or somebody to be like, Andrea, go. Go. <laughs> like, make yeah. the appointment. Like, yeah. we will literally, this happened yesterday. I had a friend, good friend that I talked to on Marco Polo every day. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, You go do your hard thing. I'll go do my hard <laughs> thing. And we'll touch base after we do our hard things yeah and it took that to make me do it even though I know I know yeah. there's something wrong yeah and so I just appreciate you telling people like do it now yeah don't minimize it don't wait for three years right. until you've lost your job and all of your mm-hmm. connections go even before my surgery it's so it's so twisted I almost hoped that I had endometriosis. Yeah, I'm sure. As some sort of an explanation for my pain. For one, it validates you as a woman and the pain that you've been saying you're not just weak. Mm-hmm. You know, there's actually something wrong with mm-hmm. you and you're not just like, oh, you're just t- sad about your period. Yeah. Um, so it was such a relief to know that I had it. Yeah. Is that weird? I mean, no. it is, it oh is my weird. Gosh. So, I mean, you don't want a debilitating disease, but it made me feel like I wasn't crazy. Yes. And nobody really told me I was crazy, but I feel like some people thought that I was over-exaggerating my pain or, oh, yeah. you don't want to go out or, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I no, I totally that. get that. I've worked in healthcare for a million years, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, I think, feel that relief once you can name it, yep. and then it also gives you, hopefully, a, a way solution. to navigate. Yeah. 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 Um, and ties you to a community where you can say, yeah, mm-hmm. me too, and yep. mm-hmm. get, have that kind of solidarity. So I get yeah. that, even though it's a sucky diagnosis. <laughs> You're still <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, thank you. I'm not yeah. just totally nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Anything else we missed? I think the only other thing that I would add would be, as a small business owner, I never saw myself actually doing it. 
Mm -hmm. And people would ask me, do you do pop-ups? I said, yeah. Right. (laughs) Even though I had never done one before. Do you do wholesale? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Figure it out later. Do you do workshops? That one was really scary. Also, do you do podcasts? Yes. <laughs> that one was really scary. Um, like, you can do this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think if you're wanting to start your business, um, even before you think that you're ready, I'm a perfectionist and I really like to have everything, especially being a designer, I like to really have things thought out before I put them out into the world. And yeah. I just had to start. Here's some listings up on Etsy. The pictures aren't the best. My descriptions aren't great, but at least you can buy my stuff, you yeah. know? And yeah. I did a workshop. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I did my best, yep. you know, and now that's like one of my things that I love to do. Yes. So I think if anybody's wanting a little bit of encouragement, do it scared. Yeah. Figure it out later. Yes. That's, that's how I've been doing Knots of Love. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it'll look more like you know what's going on than, than it is in... You know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Yes, it won't be apparent to everyone else that this is exactly. your first go. They'll right. be like, oh my gosh, those earrings. Yeah. Like, yeah. they just Everybody, will. People come up to me all the time like, oh, your Instagram looks great, this and that. I'm yes. like, what? I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. So, it's cool. And I always say, and this was a friend way back in the beginning of the podcast that said, you don't know who's waiting mm-hmm. for you to do your thing because they're waiting to watch you know yeah. so they know that they can do it or whatever they need to receive your whatever you're supposed to do that's beautiful and so you gotta you you gotta do your thing because mm-hmm. someone else is watching yeah and i love it i freaking love it and i love your earrings oh, and thank i love you. all the things i saw them on one of our mutual friends she had these peach colored earrings oh. that's how i found you because we were at an event together but yes. didn't, our paths didn't cross right um and then just buying your earrings, I was like, wait a minute, she's got a story to tell. So I love it. I love it all. Um, so I will, of course, link to your work and your yep. products and your workshops and your events and mm-hmm. all of your cool stuff that Thank you're you. doing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go into the questions that I ask sure. everybody at the end. So um, the first question is, and we've talked a lot about this, but maybe you have other ideas. Sure. Um, how people can create better or more kind of meaningful community in their lives. Sure. Um, One of the biggest things that's taken me out of my comfort zone this year has been going to local events and small gatherings. Yeah. And like the ones that we we kind of co-met each other at the same time at um, small gatherings of women. Even if you don't really know anybody, just go. You never know who you're going to meet and who you're going to connect with Mm -hmm. um, and form long-lasting friendships and Mm -hmm. maybe do cool things with Mm -hmm. down the road. So I think that's one thing. Um, And then another thing is if you've met somebody really cool online, Mm -hmm. like even you and me, um, we met online and, you know, we have things in common Mm -hmm. and passions in common meet them in real life, mm-hmm. have coffee, mm-hmm. you know, go have a walk with somebody or have some random people over for a wine night or something. Yeah. Um, I think taking our, our online connections to real life is, yes. is uh, important. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think people just feel so 
so flattered and so kind of uplifted mm-hmm. if the someone that they meet in the online space reaches out. Like, yeah, I know I do. I if do. somebody reaches yeah. out to me and they're like, like ooh, look let's meet. I'm like, okay, I don't yeah. know what you want to talk about, but sure, exactly. let's meet for coffee. So I think people love it. And inevitably, it's a wonderful time. I yeah. totally agree with that. For sure. Love it. The second question, describe spaces or types of people that make you feel seen and heard for like who Jessica is fully in herself for sure I think the main person or space is um my husband Mm -hmm. I mean I couldn't I couldn't do knots of love I couldn't go through my endo journey without him Mm -hmm. he's been hands down the most important person Mm -hmm. um I can be my most realist and raw Mm -hmm. with him um and he's actually a part of a lot of the behind-the-scenes knots of love that you don't see. Yeah. Um, even cutting rope or tying little lark's head knots on things for me. Um, anything to save time. I love that. And then also workshops and markets. I really love, you know, the teaching, the connecting, um, sharing my story. And especially, like, markets. I love seeing the joy in people when they're, you know, touching my stuff and you know holding it up to see if that earring looks good on them and yeah you know then asking me questions about it like I just feel like I can like that's another part of me that hasn't been revealed yeah um in the past yeah so. very cool yeah. and I, I bet you probably didn't think like I don't know maybe workshops or not workshops uh, markets felt like mm-hmm. oh my gosh it's gonna be like a multi-day thing you're kind of putting your heart and soul out on racks it was super scary at first but I like to say hi to everybody that comes in there's a lot of makers that just kind of sit behind their phone and let people look at their stuff but Mm -hmm. I really like to interact so if you ever come to Mm -hmm. one of my markets say hi like I'm super friendly and I want to talk to you I like connecting and and you will have a couple coming up at the holiday season, yep. right? So I'll be at UICA Holiday Artist Market. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got accepted into that one, so that one's for sure. That's the first weekend of, for Saturday of December. I think and it's if, the 7th. If you guys have not been to that, that it's, is the best It's huge holiday market. And amazing. It's yeah. so good. Okay. Yeah. So. And then what I'm planning on, um, I still have to get accepted into that one. But that's Maid Market, their holiday one. Um, they do one in the summer and then one in the, the winter. So that's mm-hmm. on that's the next Saturday. So I think that's the 14th. Okay. So the 7th and the 14th. Cool. And people can always contact you directly too oh, for, for sure. yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Third question. If someone saw you across a room and so they could only see your kind of physical self mm-hmm. or they saw like a list of your roles and titles, mm-hmm. like I'm a graphic designer, I'm a wife, I'm a maker, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. What's kind of in between all that stuff that they're missing or getting wrong? Okay. Um, they're probably thinking that I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but in reality, I'm constantly learning. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very scared a lot of the time because uh-huh. I don't know what I'm doing all the time. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm just faking it until I make it. Yeah. And yeah. that's, I think I'm trying to express that more now because I want other people to look at people who own businesses and... Um, who are, you know, living their dream. They're just like you. You yeah. can be doing that too. I always thought, you know, without meeting somebody, you think they're almost on a pedestal. Yes. You know? Yeah. And then actually sitting down and talking to them, you're like, oh, okay. They're more like me than I thought. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm having fun doing it. (laughs) I love that. And most people are. I mean, that's really the truth of it. Like, if anyone's kind of putting themselves out there in any way. I mean, it's, life is learning. Yes. So. Yeah. And it's not like I don't know how to do macrame. It's just navigating everything that comes with it. It's all new, you know, experiences. Yes, for sure. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, Last question. And my personal favorite question, mm. what are your favorite things? Okay. Just like things that light you up, make you happy. They can be super serious, super silly, okay. anywhere in between. Um, one of my favorite places to be is on the water. Mm-hmm. So like boating uh, in nature, specifically anywhere near water. So I like to go to Lake Michigan. I like to be on a lake. I like to go to a river, mm-hmm. you know, rafting down the river. Um, really nature stuff mm-hmm. is what I love. And are you I a actually, camper? I like to camp, but mm-hmm. I haven't camped often. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I really like, one of my favorite things is going to bed together with my husband. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a connecting moment. Mm-hmm. Um, even if just laying down in bed, talking for a mm-hmm. few minutes before you go to sleep after your crazy day. Like, it's really nice just to have that mm-hmm. that connecting moment that seals each night. Yes. Doesn't always happen, but that's my favorite thing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, like I said, teaching. Um, yeah. It's a new thing, and it's a, a new passion of mine. Oh, and cows. Baby cows. Baby and animals. Cow. Oh. I like going to Boulder Ridge Animal Park. I mean, baby cows. <laughs> animals. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Those are my favorite things. You gotta love baby cows. And wine. And wine. <laughs> wine tasting. Do you have animals at home? I'm forgetting. Yeah, I'm a dog person with two cats. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love my cats. I love it. Mm-hmm. And someday maybe dogs? Oh, yeah. We're yeah. we're house hunting now. So as soon as we get a house, I mean, it's going to be... Dogs, baby cows. Yes. All the things. Yes. <laughs> Ducks. Ducks. Everything. I love it. I can't wait. I need some property. Yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> well... I, you know, I just couldn't love what you do more. Like, it's just the coolest. I love the look of it. I'll wear your earrings every day. And I made the macrame, and I love that experience. And I think you're such a cool voice for having struggles and health Mm -hmm. struggles or whatever kind of struggles and just kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. and reaching out when you need to, pulling other people in, reaching out for what you need. Like all that is just absolutely singing my song and I love it. And I'm so glad that people will hear more about you and your story. Thank you. you. Me too. love her so much. I love it when I listen to someone tell their story and I feel like it's exactly what I needed to hear to kind of conquer my own thing. Just talking about how she did her own research and sought out her own answers and reached out for support was the definite boost I needed to address some of my own health concerns. And I love how she has been supported by and contributed to her community of endo survivors. I love how now that she's feeling a little bit better, even though she has some other concerns, she continues to advocate and point people to resources and educate. I love it. So go follow Jess on all the things. Get yourself a plant hanger or a wall hanging or some red earrings or a keychain. Also, make sure that you are marking those holiday markets on your calendar. They're all in the show notes, like I mentioned before, and you don't want to miss them. 
and go take the middle seat. I know you'll find healing and help and beauty right there.